On this Mother's Day, it has been a few years at least, I think five um, exactly, since I've shared with you my favorite Mother's Day poem. If you know me, you know where I'm going with this. And I want to read this poem this morning. It is from poet Billy Collins, and the title of this poem is The Lanyard, for all of you mothers out there. The other day I was ricocheting slowly off the blue walls of this room, moving as if underwater from typewriter to piano, from bookshelf to an envelope lying on the floor when I found myself in the L section of the dictionary where my eyes fell upon the word lanyard. No cookie nibbled by a French novelist could send one into the past more suddenly, a past where I sat at a workbench at a camp by a deep Adirondack lake, learning how to braid long, thin plastic strips into a lanyard, a gift for my mother. I had never seen anyone use a lanyard or wear one, if that's what you did with them, but that did not keep me from crossing strand over strand again and again until I had made a boxy red and white lanyard for my mother. She gave me life and milk from her breasts, and I gave her a lanyard. She nursed me in many a sick room, lifted spoons of medicine to my lips, laid cold face cloths on my forehead, and then led me out into the airy light and taught me to walk and swim, and I in turn presented her with a lanyard. Here are thousands of meals, she said, and here is clothing and a good education, and here is your lanyard, I replied, which I made with a little help from a counselor. Here is a breathing body and a beating heart, strong legs, bones, and teeth and two clear eyes to read the world, she whispered. And here, I said, is the lanyard I made at camp. And here, I wish to say to her now, is a smaller gift, not the worn truth that you can never repay your mother, but the rueful admission that when she took the two-tone lanyard from my hand, I was as sure as a boy could be that this useless, worthless thing I wove out of boredom would be enough to make us even. (laughs) I love that poem uh, because for me it captures so much truth about um, child and mother. I want to admit right now a truth about Mother's Day that Mother's Day can be a mixed bag. In so many ways, Mother's Day is positive and it is joyful. It's a time for us to reflect on the influence that mom has been in our lives or reflect upon um, the lives of our kids. But I want to acknowledge that Mother's Day can also be a day that is painful in many ways as well. There may be a tough relationship with mom, and a day like today can put a spotlight on that difficulty. There are, for many, a desire to have children, but this is a struggle, quite painful, 
And today can be yet another reminder of that struggle. I think also of those who have lost their mother. I think of our brothers and sisters in our own congregation for whom today is the first Mother's Day that they'll walk through uh, without their mom. There can also be the grief over the loss of a beloved child and today may bring that grief back to the surface. And our context today with social distancing and isolation brings its own sets of challenges as well. Traditions have been altered and it feels like things and and something has been taken from us because it has. And because of the relationship between moms and children that's so close and so powerful, Mother's Day can be a day of joy, but also a day with some pain as well. And I want to say, if today is a day with some pain for you, I want to offer this invitation that we can invite God into that place and invite God's Spirit into that pain. And God's Spirit will gently come to us into our places of sorrow. Something that the scripture offers us that I want to spend the rest of my time on here is that God has the heart of a mother. And what I did over the last, I don't know, week, two weeks or so, is I went through and found um, as much as I could all the places in the Bible where God is compared to a mom to a mother. And there are about 10 to 12, maybe more passages like that, depending on um, how clearly one thinks that God is clearly being compared to a mother in that verse. And I want to talk about um, the, the, the image of motherhood that the Bible gives us to think about God. Motherhood, of course, starts in God's character. Theologically speaking, motherhood is not the byproduct of human reproduction or a social construct. Biblically speaking, theologically speaking, creaturely motherhood, human motherhood, is a reflection and an outpouring of God's personhood. Where else could it come from? For God is the giver of all good things. And so I've taken these scriptures and I I have kind of clumped them together in um, some, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Some themes, if you will. And I've got um, four to share. The first is this. There are a number of Bible verses where we are told that God raises God's people like a mom raises her little ones. And there are a couple of scriptures here that point us in that direction. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 11, it says that God is like an eagle who rouses her chicks, like an eagle that rouses her chicks, hovers over her young, spreads the wings out to take them up and carry them safely up on the pinions, the the outermost feathers. Right? Later in that same chapter, verse 18, God says, I am the one who gave you birth, Israel. I also think of this uh, passage in the book of Hosea, chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, where God says that 
I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading Israel along by the hand. Israel may not know or care who it was that took care of him, but I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped down to feed him. And while uh, mom is not explicitly spoken of there, when we think of roles in the ancient world, this describes mom pretty well. All of this reminds me of this wonderful quote from Picasso, the great painter. Picasso said, My mother would say to me, Pablo, if you are a soldier, you will become a general. Pablo, Pablo, if you are a monk, you will become a pope. Instead, I was a painter, and so I became Picasso. Maybe a little self-indulgent, <laughs> but a good quote nonetheless that speaks to how it is that moms shape us, nourish us, guide us, encourage, support, teach us to walk, raise us. And there are a couple of places in Scripture where God wants us to think about God in those ways as well. Okay, that's one grouping. Another grouping is this. Second one. When it comes to the well-being of their children, God becomes unrestrained like a mother can become unrestrained. I know that one seems a little uh, odd to speak, but there are scriptures that point in this exact direction. For example, in the book of Hosea chapter 13 verse 8, there are a couple of examples there. God is compared to a she-bear, a mama bear. The original mama bear would be God, I guess. And God is also compared to a hungry lioness. Uh, maybe you know this, but it is the female lions who do uh, the lion's share of the hunting. Sorry for the dad joke on Mother's Day. It's totally inappropriate. When a mama bear sees that her cubs have been taken away, mama bear does not sit down to negotiate. No, no, no. She roars and the claws come out. When the lioness needs to feed the cubs as she is hungry, she does not take a gingerly stroll through the woods to pick some berries. No, no, no. She goes on the prowl. She goes on the hunt. And when God sees injustice, idolatry, evil, hurting the people of God, when God sees that which harms God's children, God does not speak softly. God roars. This is the image given to us in Scripture. There was a mother who had two sons, and uh, the younger son, it must be noted, was a good kid. He was. He just made mistakes. He did not uh, apply himself. He was a distraction in the classroom. He was a disturbance to his peers. And so mom receives a phone call from a school administrator. She goes in, and the two of them have a conversation. At one point, the administrator says, I have something I need to say to you. Your youngest son 
does not apply himself. He is a distraction in the classroom. He is a disturbance to his peers. Now, before I tell you what the administrator said next, I think it's important to note that he is a good man. He was. He just made a mistake. For he looked, into, uh, he looked at this mom and he said, it is too bad that your younger boy hasn't become like your older boy. Hmm. Look out. Suddenly, mom becomes unrestrained, and across the hallway is the teacher's lounge, and the ears of the teachers in the teacher's lounge tingle when they hear the unrestrained voice of this mom say, and now I have something to say to you. (laughs) And for the next two minutes, two long minutes, those teachers heard what a mama bear sounds like. It was, yes, he needs to apply himself. Yes, he needs to listen in class. Yes, he must become a positive influence. We'll work the strategies. But no, he does not need to become his brother. The boy is beautiful who he is. There's one more example in Scripture where God becomes unrestrained or God compares himself to a mother unrestrained. And that comes to us in Isaiah 42, 14. If you know uh, Isaiah chapter 40, 41, 42, you know this, um, these amazingly poetic words from the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, oh comfort my people. Right? Uh, hear, the, hear the voice of one calling out in the wilderness, saying, make straight the paths, because here comes your God. It's all about that kind of thing. And at one point, God says this through the prophet Isaiah, Chapter 42, verse 14. I have remained quiet long enough. I have restrained myself until now. Now, like a woman in labor, I will scream, I will pant, I will groan. I've told this story before, but every time I think of this verse, this memory comes to my mind. It was when my son Jack was being born, labor delivery. A contraction uh, comes very strongly, and uh, Kelly is standing there, and I, uh, I'm trying to uh, help. That's not the right word. I don't even know what word to use. Uh, and there is a scream, and one of those. And the left arm uh, connects with my belly. And knocks the wind right out of me. And like a fool, uh, I, I did one of these things, whew, trying to catch my breath. And the contraction passes, and Kelly looks at me and she says, Oh, are you hurt? <laughs> Childbirth is loud. It is a time when the mother becomes unrestrained unfettered, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to bring about the birth of this little baby. She doesn't care how she looks. Mom doesn't care how she sounds. 
She wants to hold her baby. And in Isaiah 42, God is telling us that when it comes to salvation, when it comes to redemption, when it comes to restoration, when it comes to picking up the pieces of lives that are falling apart, God will become unshackled, unfettered, whatever it takes. God doesn't care what the noise is. God wants to bring us home. All right, third cluster. This might be my favorite one. The scriptures in at least three different places that I found tell us that when God comforts God's people, it is like when a mother nurses her baby. In Isaiah 66, verses 12 through 13, the prophet says this, or the Lord says through the prophet, I will give Jerusalem a river of peace and prosperity. The wealth of the nations will flow to her. Her children will be nursed at her breasts, carried in her arms, held on her lap. I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. Uh, This is written at a time when the people are scattered all over the place. Their lives uh, have been interrupted and so different, and God is promising them to bring them back to their sense of normalcy and their place in Jerusalem. And when they need comfort, the image God puts in their head is the image of a mother nursing her baby. Here's another example, Isaiah 49, 15. Sing for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. I think this actually starts in 14. Burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted the people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten about us. You know, when, when, when things don't go well and we suffer and we wonder where God is, Here's the image God wants us to have. Forgotten you. Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? And even if that were possible, I will not forget you. I have written your name on my hands. One more example. Psalm 131, Uh, it's a very short psalm, and the writer of this psalm is talking about things that are troubling the soul, troubling this person, and they want to talk about um, trusting in God, and they write this. I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Once again, obviously, a weaned child isn't uh, breastfeeding, but this, this concept, this idea, this intimacy between a mom and child and with things that we struggle with, the, the pain that we feel in life, um, the suffering we go through. The image of a mother nursing her child is one that our society has, um, it's changing, but, but has moved and pushed into private places. But the image of a mother breastfeeding her infant 
is intimate and tender and it's comfort offered for mother to child. And that is what the scripture wants us to think about when we suffer in our lives. It's imagery used to teach us how it is that God wants to enter where we've been hurt, where we have had injury, where we have experienced injustice, or where injustice occurs in the world, or where hurt exists. Or even the places where we feel like God has deserted us. What is happening? Where is God? And the image that the scriptures give us is the image of a mother nursing her baby. It is though God is saying, that is how I feel about you. Reminds me of that um, line from the 19th century novelist William Thackeray. Mother is the name of God on the hearts and lips of little children. Okay, last cluster. And these come from uh, the, the mouth of our Lord Jesus. It comes in two different places, Luke 13 and Matthew 23, where Jesus is entering Jerusalem, and Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather your children together like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not let me. The imagery is um, of danger, danger coming uh, to the little chicks, a storm or a fire, and what a mother hen will do is gather the chicks, protecting them because she would rather suffer the harm or suffer the flame than have her chicks suffer those things. And Jesus taps into this imagery on his last week in, um, of his ministry, leading to the cross, of course. Jesus taking upon the cross the, the, the evil, the sin of the world, dying a death. We could not die, not in the same way. And then comparing himself to a mother hen. Protection, guidance, sacrifice. And in all these things, all these scriptures that tell us about the heart of a mother that God has for us. Uh, I wish to say to you, like the poet Billy Collins, not the worn truth that you can never repay God just like you can never repay your mother, as if we could ever do that, right? But I want to say this. God isn't interested in repayment anyway. God is interested in a relationship. God wants to know each one of us and to be known by each one of us. What God wants for Mother's Day is us. Would you pray with me? God, I... I think of the um, span of experiences represented by all of us who are hearing these words spoken right now. Um, experiences of joy, no doubt. Experiences of thankfulness and gratitude and maybe intermingled with sorrow and pain.
And I pray for my brothers and sisters right now who are grieving the loss of their mom. And I pray that they would come to know you as a mother. I pray for my brothers and sisters who grieve the loss of a child or the pain of struggling to have a child. That they would come to know your great comfort. And for everyone who can hear these words, I pray this prayer that we would come to know Jesus, the one who longs to gather us under his wings of safety, that we would come to know him as Savior and friend. And I pray all these things in his name. Amen.